Welcome to the Media Eaters Podcast. I'm Dan Vadavonker. And I'm Kenton Lars. I almost messed it up. No, you did well. It's all good. Um, it is, what time, of the, what time of the year is it, Kenton? Year end. No, but there's, I'm looking for a specific answer from Hammer you. time? <laughs> yes. Yes, it's hammer I don't know. Time. What, are you, what are you after? It is the best oh! time of year. To be a teacher. Why is that? Because uh, the marking is essentially done. The Nobody's around here. We have no classes. Uh, we have no class. And uh, just like Russell on the Cosby Show, oh, we're like a plastic cup. We have no soon. class. Too soon. And <laughs> so it's the best time to be a teacher when nobody's around. We can we can see all of our students tweeting about how relaxing it is right now because they have no classes. All the first years, anyway. It really makes my job worthwhile when I see them all tweeting about how they, how we abused and tortured them over the course of a <laughs> semester. Makes it really makes my job. Well, feel, yeah, for sure. That's how I know it's mission accomplished. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it is. It is also uh, the holidays. It's that time of year for celebrating uh, either Christmas. Well, I guess Hanukkah is done now. If you're Jewish, you, you finished celebrating Hanukkah last weekend. But um, <laughs> if you're Jewish, Kwanzaa, Ramadan. There's a bunch of holidays, and uh, and everybody's celebrating. It's also the end of the year, of course. And we're going to take some time on this episode of the Media Nerds Podcast to take a look back at the year in media. And uh, talk about what we liked and didn't like and give her kind of, not full lists, but just talk about in, in certain categories, what media we liked, what we didn't like. Um, and then, yeah, and see how Mostly that Mostly good. We're concentrating good. on good. Yeah, yeah, there's not a ton that, unless something comes to mind during the conversation, I'm not going to really focus on too much on the negative. No, let's focus we, on we've the already, positive. We've already f- talked about negative stuff quite a bit this year. So. And I was going to also say, I, what I should have said is, in the communications business, it's that time of year when people say... It's that time. Oh, of that's year. right. That's right. How many times have it's, you seen that? It's on the Twitter? most wonderful time of the year. It's time where all the white stuff is flying, <laughs> and by that I mean snow, not cocaine. Uh, but the white stuff. We got more of the white stuff in the forecast. That's something. That's I could. I could have also said it's Christmas time in the city. There's lots of it's different. Co- Christmas time. <laughs> the, today I was walking to work and I was in thinking silver bells. Oh, there we go. Silver bells. <laughs> it just sort of creeps up on you. You just don't realize it. And then suddenly it's here. And Although our my 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 vehicle radio has been glued to the uh, the holiday music station for the last month, so we've we've my wife is right into it. She loves all the music and all the stuff. She gets right into Christmas. I like it to a point. Yeah, like I like it, but then there is that point where you're just enough it, is enough. It really doesn't feel like Christmas to me until like the day before. <laughs> to be honest, I'm like this is all good. This is all fun. Although I will be watching Christmas movies. I should say, um, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Dan Vadabonker, I will be doing the 12 films of Christmas starting tonight. Actually, nice. So the 12 Christmas movies, a mix of stuff I haven't seen and and my old favorites, and I'll be posting about those and giving little mini reviews of those over the next uh, 12 days. So, ah, there beautiful. You go. Um, okay, but first, before we get into all of our best and worst of 20. 2018, rather, sorry, got ahead of myself, literally. Um, I want to take a few minutes to remember those we lost. Dolores O'Riordan. <laughs> no, I don't want you to say. Mark E. Smith. Oh, no. <laughs> this is making me sad. <laughs> I didn't okay. know. I, I looked up In Memoriam Music, and this is like serious. Look at this. So you, you don't want me to read them? Not like that, but I want to look at John this. John Mahoney. <laughs> This now video, we're laughing. Now we're making. No, it's not funny. I know it's not funny. But this, I'm looking at this video I found. I just googled in memoriam music, and this is a legit in memoriam video from some school, class of '77. Oh my God! This is all the people who died from that. This is sad. Okay, I'm turning this off. I'm done. <laughs> not, no more of that. that was well, a bad that joke. went sideways. Bad idea. That whole plan went sideways. That bit did not work. Okay. No. <laughs> but let's no seriously. Let's talk about um, even briefly talk about those we lost this year because it was again another bad year for this. Something that. 
is just going to continue happening. Do you want, here, do you want my list? Yeah, let's, let's do let's it. The list. So as I said, Dolores O'Riordan, Mark, uh, the, the lead singer of Cranberries, yes. Marky e. Smith, lead singer of The Fall, John Mahoney from Fraser, uh, Stephen Hawking, Harry Anderson, Barbara Bush, and George H. W. Bush. Right. Vern Schroyer, Mini Me, Bob Doro, the singer of Three Is a Magic Number and Schoolhouse Rock, Margot Kidder, Tom Wolfe, Anthony Bourdain, Harlan Ellison. This is crazy. Harlan Ellison, really? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no. Barry Crimmins, the comedian, Robin Leach, Neil Simon, John McCain, Burt Reynolds, Bill Daly, David Moore, my stepbrother. I added to the list. Oh, I lost sorry. my stepbrother so, this that. year. Um, Marty Ballin. Hardy Fox, the lead singer of um, the band The Residents, uh, Stan Lee, Douglas Rain, who is the voice of Hal, yeah. Bernardo uh, Bertolucci, uh, and uh, Pete Shelley, lead singer of the Buzzcocks. So there you go. That was the list. That's, and, that's uh, I know it's brutal. And Pete Shelley, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, singers of all time, one of my favorite bands of all time. So how about that for yeah. a list? It was horrible. That's too bad. So yeah. we should take some time and remember these people with some kind of piece of. I actually did, you know, I've been watching. Of course, I watched the Marvel films, but when Stanley passed away, I did watch mm -hmm. uh, um, the Thor Ragnarok because I love that. That's like one of my favorite cameos of his in Thor Ragnarok when he's cutting his hair. Yeah. Um, and of course, how I watched uh, 2001 uh, recently, uh, the voice of Hal Douglas Rain, and uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it's tough. It's great that of course their legacies will live on in, in some form. Mm -hmm. Uh, but obviously, obviously sad that they've passed well, and we don't longer have them around. And this is the first uh, the first Christmas when you've lost someone. Like, this is our first Christmas without my stepbrother around. Right. And, yeah. and it's always awful because you're always thinking about that person and uh, that person laughing at my jokes, <laughs> for instance, or that having the discussions with that person. And, like, it's the one time of year where you actually have time to sit down and, like, and uh, and think about things, which for some people is good and some people isn't good, and uh, and to also enjoy the family members that you do have around. Yeah. So it's bittersweet. It is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you'll be missed, everyone that that we lost, and uh, yeah, and yeah. Now don't you move. My hands aren't as steady as they used to be. By Odin's beard, you shall not cut my hair, lest you feel the wrath of the mighty Thor. <laughs> Let's talk about television first, and by television I mean series. Um, so this could also include Netflix or any other streaming service. Um, you know, that's I mean the, the definition of TV is so so wide these days. So let's just talk about series, fiction series or documentary or reality TV series. If you want to throw a Survivor in there, uh, I don't know if you do or no, not. No, I don't. Oh, okay. I, in fact, I skipped it. Oh, did you? I, I skipped did too. it I... for the first. I just don't care anymore. Wow, wow, that's a, that's saying a lot. I, I'm sick. You used of, to watch it every every I'm, year. I'm sick of Probst telling me how important his show is on the show. <laughs> I'm so sick of. Well, the thing about Survivor is like, oh, cr here we go. So, yeah, I'm done. All right. So let's talk about uh, television series. What was your, you know, best or favorite television series of the year? Well, look, I am going to uh, – I it's so hard for me to choose one, so I'm going to give a shout-out. There's so many great ones. So there all, was a lot of good ones this year, yes. Of all the ones that I'm not going to give a shout-out to, like the B Barry on HBO is amazing. Foda on Netflix is amazing. W1A from the BBC on Netflix is amazing. Picnic at Hanging Rock. Sharp Objects on HBO. Uh, Gamora, which is uh, on Netflix. Uh, Shetland and The Good Place. Oh, my God. Those are fantastic. But those aren't the ones that are in my I have, top three. I have not seen any of those. Oh, they're... <laughs> 
so good. <laughs> I've seen a few episodes of The Good Place, but that's it. Other those, all those those names you just you just went through, I've not seen any. So here are so, my three. I'll okay. give you my three, you, and then you, then I'll turn things over to you. We'll see. So, um, uh, number three, my brilliant friend, which was just j- wrapped up season one. It's only eight episodes on HBO on demand now. Uh, and it is uh, a period piece from Italy. There's Italian. It's a, in Italian with subtitles. It is just the most beautiful, lovely little slice of life you could possibly imagine. And I've noticed people starting to talk about it online. And I think we'll be hearing a lot more about it. And I believe there's going to be a season two, but just beautiful. A Bodyguard on Netflix, which is like 24 meets House of Cards. Ah, yes. I've, I've, uh, taken, uh, I've not seen it, but I've seen the... Uh, it is, it's so it's zany and crazy. I've recommended it to a bunch of people, and uh, everybody who watches it is like, I finished it in a day. Like, you can't... It, it really has high-octane thrills, and it it's rewarding all the way through, even when it gets... I mean, and for a show to sustain something like that, it has to go a little bonkers. And Bodyguard goes bonkers in every best way possible. But my favorite show of the year is one that really got buried, and that might be why I'm calling it my favorite show. There is a show from Australia on Showcase here in uh, Canada, and the show is called Mr. In Between, starring an actor named Scott Ryan, who I think will be in lots of things after this. And uh, it is a real and, and and you know how I always I always fall for the show where there's a character we've never seen before. Yeah, like that's my favorite. Like Ricky Gervais in The Office to me was like, oh my god, never seen never seen this character before. It's like perfect. And so that's how I feel about Scott Ryan's performance in Mister In Between. It is just uh, a weird comic, a comical hitman show, sort of, uh, with maybe some actors you might recognize from other shows. Uh, takes place, as I say, in Australia, and just um, a, a light, a light and violent at the same time, uh, which I'm making it sound like The Sopranos, but <laughs> it really has a tone of its own, and and like the best Australian entertainment, it's got a wacky sense of humor. So I'm gonna say, Mister In Between, show that which I think most people did not see. I've never heard of it, but it got a big positive shout out in the Globe and Mail too recently. So I was like, okay, people are starting to see it. Okay. So, those are mine. I um I I found myself really it was really hard for me to get into series. I, you know I didn't have the time to commit to a lot of series. So there's of course there's so many um, shows out there, and I also the other thing that happened to me this year is I fell off. October really messed me up. I did my horror movie thing in October. Oh yeah. And so because of that, I fell off of watching all my regular like network TV series like The Flash. I'm not up on. Um, the other one I was going to watch was the um, some big into the superhero shows. So there's uh, the Gifted, which is basically the X Men kind of universe on TV. Um, they lost me after the first episode back with a really bad birth scene that I I just couldn't stand. It was like a powerful mutant being born and uh. whatever. The doctor was an idiot. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it was not good. So, but I've got all the episodes piling up in my PVR and I haven't gotten to it yet. But I I I think I can predict what one of your favorites was. Do you want me to try? Uh, well, you, you okay, I'll give a couple of honorable no, you know mentions. You know, you, okay, yeah, do your thing, and then at the end, I'm going to point out something if it's not in your All list. All right, sounds okay, good. Okay, go ahead. Um, so, so a couple of honorable mentions. I did, I did quite enjoy the third season of Daredevil. I know you're not on, you know, too. Uh, jazzed about it, but I thought it was quite good and much, much better than season two. Um, I just started watching Maniac last night, and I watched three. Was that what you were going to say? I just started. Okay. I just, I, I'm like, okay. Uh, and so I, I watched three episodes last night. It's really good. I love the world 
that they're building. It kind of reminds me of Brazil a little bit, like this retro tech weird thing. I don't know what it is, if it's an alternate reality or future or whatever it's supposed to be, but it's really cool. So that's a good one. But my my top three shows, I'm going to say, are um, Man in the High Castle was a great show. I, I watched it. I know you haven't watched it yet. I'm dying but, to see well, that show. So good. I've been I wanting it. to see it for whatever, five one years. The, one of the best the... decisions I made this yeah. year was signing up for Amazon Prime, so I'm very glad I saw that. Uh, number two, The Expanse. I love The Expanse. I love the uh, story behind it as far as the series getting dropped by sci-fi but picked up by Amazon, so we're going to see a new season next year. And I, I loved it so much I started reading the books this summer uh, based that the series is based on. And my number one show, my favorite show, and it got – it really got buried because it came out early in the year, but it's lost in space. I knew it. I that was going to be my prediction. That, I love, I love, love. I've watched it twice. You I know, watched that first season twice already. I enjoyed that uh, very much, that show, with the exception of the scheming doctor, as you know. But I, I, you know, we talked about this off air, but I think that is that character, <laughs> Dr. Smith. If you look back at the old series and even the Gary Oldman version of it, that's what that doctor is. Just everybody so. is so forgiving on that show well, of that of that. They're, Bad trust, they're trusting. That's the problem. Everyone's very trusting. Yeah. And I think maybe we'll see that change. This is kind of a more. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not, you know. I, I, I hope they murder that doctor in season two. Uh, it's possible. The or doctor she'll, she'll needs die. To die. Um, she right. might die of other methods. Like maybe the robot will murder her. Right. So that would be okay. Well, that's good. I, I really enjoyed Lost in Space too. And I, I didn't add it to. I, I, I'm not bandying about in my list, uh, bandying it about in my list because I knew you would mention it, or I thought you would. And I, I think you watch. I seem, you seem to watch a lot more TV than I do. <laughs> I, I watch lots of TV, <laughs> but but I squeeze it in between marking. Like it also depends on what you're doing. And yeah. You give it, you're right about. You can screw it up with one week or month. One month of watching off. scary movies, yes. and I'm, I'm dying. I can't watch anything. Well, it's now. like when we spend time watching our Oscar movies, which is coming up. Yep. And it just screws up everything else. Where it's like, what? Seven seasons of Kimmy Schmidt came out in that time. Like you, you just yeah. can't. You can't catch up. No, you can't see everything. So I, I know I feel your pain. Yeah. What is that? It's okay. Well, he's with me. So let's move on to books. I actually don't have. I didn't read a ton of books this year. Again, I did read the Expanse books, which I do highly recommend. But those are not new books. Those are older sci-fi books. And again, didn't have a chance to read a lot of newer stuff. But you have some recommendations and some things you loved. To well, read this year. I'm gonna group two together. I'm gonna call it the three F's: Fire and Fury by Michael Wolf and Fear by Bob Woodward. <laughs> I'm almost done. Fear. I'm on the last chapter of Fear. And it's all about Trump. And as the presidency crumbles before our very eyes, um, I'm sort of getting some behind the scenes. I read the chapter in Fear on uh, John Kelly and uh, some of his greatest hits in the White House and some of the some of the times yeah. he almost resigned. And, of course, this is the week where he said he's leaving, but there's already been six stories since, so we've already forgotten that. Uh, yeah, it's, gonna, it, it is literally crumbling right now. Yeah. Like, this is I don't know. It's so shocking, although I shouldn't be shocked. Um, but yeah, there was so much happening this week. You forgot about it. Like all these months, this mm -hmm. Mueller investigation has been going on. You just forget about it because it's been kind of going on in the background. But it's all coming to fruition now. Uh, Cohen has been sentenced to three years in prison mm -hmm. for what he's done. Um, although six of those charges don't have anything to do with Trump, but still, right. um, you know, a couple of them do have to do with Trump. So yeah, we're gonna well, see. It's gonna be an interesting January. For oh sure. yes, it's it's uh, every day brings a new gift and uh, when, and. <laughs> I, do, I would say so, to people, those books are not dated by today's standards. And in fact, I find like Michael Wolf got a lot of uh, flack for be, for his book being trashy, but it's the best possible trashy where it's like it's true trashy. 
And um, Bob Woodward uh, gets all the accolades and credit because he is the journalist that brought down uh, uh, Nixon. Um, one of the journalists, yeah. I should say, yeah. along with uh, Bernstein. But uh, fear is every bit as trashy and fun as Fire and Fury is. So I, I'm finding it being very instructive reading it while all of, reading those while all of this is going on. Okay. So I encourage it. And the, uh, the other one, so I read lots of books about Trump. Those are the two best ones. And I would say I read lots of books about advertising. And I would say the best of those books this year is on advertising in the digital age by uh, Miles Young. So what he did is he updated Ogilvy's classic on advertising book and he made it about the digital landscape. And it is a it's a beautiful hardcover book with lovely photos and pictures. It's a quick read and it's a good read. And uh, they actually have it in stock at our local seller, McNally Robinson at Grand Park. Cool. So, uh, you know, I can't recommend that enough. Even people who are just marginally interested in advertising, I think, would get a lot out of reading that book. So that that for me is the is the are the highlights. Did you do some reading this? Uh, no, year? as I say, I didn't. I did not. I I read the Expanse series over the summer, mm-hmm. and that's basically all all I read. I did not have time to read anything else recreationally. I read a lot of articles, of course, yeah. and stuff like that, but not novels. There's so much. I should, you know, I've been really trying. I really should get back into the audiobook thing. Although I have a hard time with audiobooks for some reason. I do too. Um, because, because they compete with podcasts. Well, that that's it. Yeah, and, yeah. But the thing is, and we'll get to podcasts in a second, but. I'm. I made a decision this year to take the bus every day to work, and I do take the bus every day. So that means a lot more podcast listening time. And um, but I have run out of podcasts because I'm listening to everything as soon as it comes out. I've gone like during the end of the week. There's not a lot of podcasts. Here's a tip: if you have a podcast, release it at the end of the week because not a lot of podcasts do. Fridays are lean days for podcasts, and the weekend, and weekend as well. And I do listen on the weekend as well. So I am. Um, I do need something to fill that gap, and I, I will try to get into the audiobook. I still have some credits at Audible, even though I canceled my – they charged me for like four months in a row before I realized it, so I canceled oh, it. Oh, no. But I still have those credits, so you still get to keep the credits and, and get the books. So I'll get a couple audiobooks and see if I can do that. Maybe I'll get the audiobook version of Fear. I wonder, wonder how that sounds. <laughs> oh, does Woodward himself read it? I don't know. I don't know. Now, often they don't have it work that way. Where the Sometimes the author does, but not all the time. So anyway, no, no, no books for me. Let's move on to movies. Um, and I, again, I found this year was not a great year for me going to see movies in the theater, as I thought it would be. I was expecting mm-hmm. to see a lot of movies in the theater, and I didn't. And I was going through, I've been going through all these lists, end of year lists, and best of top fifty films of the year, and I really haven't seen a lot of them. And and the, the other thing, we should also preface this by saying that a lot of these movies that are going to be on everybody's best of lists are all in the Oscar race, and they're all just coming out now. We and we and have the, a problem in Canada, which is the ones in the Oscar race sometimes don't come out here until the Oscar race is over. Well, no, no, no. But, but it's not just in Canada. What they do is they yeah. they do limited release now, so they can technically say they came out in 2018. And then once the nominations are made and they yeah. get some buzz, then they'll go in theaters. So people they really want to push people into the theaters to see these films. Yeah, I don't love seeing these films in the theater, and I'm I, to be honest, I'm not I'm not going to go see them in the theater. Although I will see a lot of them. Well, I'll try and see as many as possible. The the year end for films is not the same as the year end for everything else. Yes, and so they themselves make it impossible to add things to. Your endless of lists because they because they I mean, release it w- in one theater in New York City for a week. All the critics have seen it, of course, right. but but we haven't as regular people. So so anyway, that being said, of the films that I saw this year, um, I'd say I'll go in my top three here. Number three is Hereditary, um, was mm-hmm. which was part of my um, horror movie marathon over October, 
and it terrified me. It's 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 a creepy movie. It it's up there with The Exorcist as being one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Um, and I it did truly horrify me. Like I was I, I couldn't sleep after watching that film. It was really scary. Um, number two, I have to put I'll put Ant Man and the Wasp in there. I liked it more than I liked uh, Infinity War. Uh, and I, and more than I liked Black Panther for all that for that like, there's three Marvel films this year but Ant Man and the Wasp was a lot of fun I really enjoyed it I liked it too and uh, and I also love the uh, Ant Man aspect of the um, the Avengers trailer that we just got last week that was hot, awesome Ant Man is probably one of my favorite characters in this Marvel Will the universe. littlest hero kill the biggest, biggest guy of, of, yes yes. <laughs> yes okay the answer is yes Spoiler don't alert. get me going on the Avengers okay. Anyway, I, I would include Ant-Man and the Wasp was a really fun experience in the theater, so I will include that. And then my favorite film that I saw this year in the theater, I saw with you, Kenton, and that's Solo. Oh, I, I quite enjoyed that. Solo. Is in my list too. It's there. It, it's, I really liked it. It is really good, and and uh, I, it's Star Wars, of course, so I loved it. And it didn't obviously it didn't get as much you know attention as it should have, but uh, I really think it was it was a great film. I agree. I uh, I had lots of fun with it, and it's definitely in my short list. Okay. Um, but I'm gonna. Or is that your whole list? That's it. That's or? all I have for movies. I'll I'll say one negative. I'll say the one movie that I really didn't like that came out this year was Mandy, uh, which is a Nicolas Cage uh, scary movie. I don't think you know. It's so it's so mixed. Critics love it. It's very art house. Mm-hmm. I did did not click with me. Um, mm-hmm. Although many many people like it. I so. want to see it. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, see it. It's not saying I'm not saying don't see it, but I'm just saying I, it really dragged and I really did not like the pacing of it. So. See, I've seen lots of film more than usual, but all on demand, of course, that yeah. have come out this year. Um, and for me, and it's it's kind of interesting because I well I saw a film that came out in 2017, uh, that but not here, and I don't think it was on demand till this year. So I'll give it a mention, and that's the Endless, E N D L E S S, the Endless. Okay. And uh, that is a film by a director I didn't really know about it. I saw the Empire Movie Podcast listed it as one of their best and i think it had a wider release in england in 2017 than it i think i think had no release here um so i watched that and i was like i'll be damned that is one great kind of sci is it sci-fi like you're it's kind of one of those and the less you know about it going in the better okay um but the same director made a movie called resolution which is friggin awesome and then another movie called spring which isn't as good as the other ones but it's but still worth seeing and so it opened up a sort of this whole little mini world, and all of the, these films take place in the same universe, I think. Maybe not spring. Maybe. But anyway, um, uh, it was a, a new experience watching a film, The Endless, and uh, I can't recommend it enough, but it's technically 2017. So that leaves us with a film, one, another film that I really enjoyed way more than I thought, which is Eighth Grade. Did you see it? I've Eighth not Grade? seen it yet. I do want to see it. Elsie Fisher, I believe, is the name of the actor in that movie. She is just – she's the best choice for that film. I think, to, to, for me, now, she, she made that film come to life. My son, Jack, is going to be going into grade eight next year. Needs to see it. Should he, should he yes, watch this? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's not – and actually, I thought the film was going to show us more about how completely terrible eighth grade is, which I'm like, I, oh, yeah, please bring it on because I, I – I th- oh, did I hate eighth grade? Probably hated <laughs> middle school in general is not. I great. hated ninth worse maybe, but I mean it's hard, it was very hard. It's a close call. It's not a great period of no. time for school no. at all. No, but but 
it to me it opened my eyes in terms of what the kids these days kind of are about. Yeah. So let's put it that way. But it is it yes, you should see it and you should see it with your son. Okay. It's it's well worth it. Oh, but see. for me, and here's the big surprise of the year, only one film made me laugh hysterically all the way through and I wanted to watch th- Again, the second after I saw it, and that's Deadpool 2. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's really good. I never thought I'd be <laughs> giving that one a shout-out as one of my favorite, but it is. I think it is. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Pound I'm for see pound. The, it is funny. It's very funny. Um, I don't know what to make of this whole, uh, you know, the PG-13 version, which is coming out this week. Um, it's, it might already be out, actually. Mm-hmm. And this, so they've released Dead, Once Upon a Deadpool, uh, which is an edited version down for PG-13. The, I mean, the promos are hilarious. The things with Fred Savage are funny. Yeah. Um, it seems like a cash grab in one way. Another thing it seems like is that... They're testing something. Yes. They're going to test to see if they can make Deadpool PG-13 and see if it'll stu- still do well. But I don't think it's a fair test because it's not a new movie. It's the same movie. So we'll see what happens with that. And the other thing is that... Um, my, but my kids are excited about being able to see it. Like my my son wants to see the Deadpool movie, and he can't see Deadpool two, um, so he may be able to watch this one uh, because it is PG thirteen. So we'll see. I mean, it, it's I'm certainly like gonna see in the theater. I'll I'll rent it when it comes out on demand. I guess. I did see Deadpool two in the theater though, and I did quite enjoy it. So. I see. I was at, maybe it was just that I did not have I did like I had no I expectations. Liked, yeah. I liked the first Deadpool, but I didn't I didn't it, I didn't go say I changed my life. But the second one to me was just the jokes. I was shocked at how legitimately funny the jokes were. There's a lot like of good ones. Actual funny. Yeah. Like none not those laughs where every like where you watch the trailer and nobody laughs in the theater because it's not funny. And they you know, you can tell they're forcing it. Like that's what I thought we were gonna see in that movie, but it was actually rip roaring from beginning to end i would say even when tragedy happens it's still they pull it out of the fire every time yeah so, it was good uh i i think it's the funniest comedy of the year personally so you're from the future is dubstep still a thing it was also a good year for documentaries uh but again i haven't yeah. seen a lot, of, a lot of documentaries this year there's a couple i still want to see i'm gonna wait to hear your recommendations before i say what those are but um i actually only have one documentary on this mm-hmm. list because i saw one recently that I quite enjoyed, not only for the subject matter, but just because it was created in a different way, and it was not your typical Talking Heads documentary, which you tend to see a lot of these days. Netflix is really pumping out a ton of documentaries, Tons. and lots of them are just a bunch of Talking Heads. Some of them are pretty threadbare, yeah. and, other, and other ones are incredibly meaty, and it's like you just don't know what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's hard to, hard to look for the good ones. Yeah. So, so the one I would recommend, and my favorite one that I saw this year was called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Uh, about about Orson Welles, about yeah. the making of a film which was also released this year, but I haven't watched it yet. A film called The Other Side of the Wind, which was his final film project that I had no idea. I didn't know anything about it. I had no mm-hmm. idea until I watched this documentary. And the the way the the documentary is uh, narrated differently. It's um, Alan Cumming is the narrator, but he's in the film. We see him, we see his face. We see shots in black and white. We see. Scenes in which it appears that Orson Welles is narrating the film. Like, there was so much behind-the-scenes footage shot around this movie, and they incorporated it all into the documentary so well. Like, it feels like 
Orson Welles himself is hosting it and telling us about the story of it. So there's lots of great aspects of this documentary. I really, really enjoyed it. And as somebody who teaches radio, I talk a lot about Orson Welles early in his career when he yeah. did War of the Worlds, when he did all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I noticed uh, the, our students tweeting about War of the Worlds. And, uh, yes, and, we did a spe- we did, it was the 80th anniversary. And I was like, God bless you, Dan, for trying that one in class. <laughs> it, was, done- it, was, it was a tough It was a tough sell, I'll tell you that much. I've tried to, I've tried to, I've tried to get them to like Jimmy Stewart, and, they, and they, we can't get past who's that. So that so the okay. idea that you're going to play for them an audio drama. Well, I didn't play it for them. I had them create segments in between. We we produced it a special here on the radio station because it is the, it was the 80th anniversary. So you have it? I do have it. Yes. As the, all of the our students doing it. Uh, they basically we cut up the the original yeah. drama into sections, and then the students produced like in between kind of segments. Why don't you upload that to our podcast uh, over the break? It's well, it's up on radio.rc.ca. I can link to it. I can. It's a why don't we push that out to okay, our to good. our friends? Because I think that that's something I would like to hear. Sure. Anyway, without I, having to go to radio Well, you can find slash. you can easily find that drama online, but I find it is a bit dry by today's standards, and and I like well, the sure. idea of having segments in between, to kind of li- liven it up. But that being said, Orson Welles, I did not know a lot about the later stages of his career. All I knew that is that one of the last things he did before he died was he voiced Unicron in the Transformers movie, uh, which I, I love. Oh, that was like I, I'm sure that was the last thing he did. And I'm sure it was like he a was ha- laying down when he did. Well, it. that's right. It yeah. was a half day of him. Unicron does not have a lot of lines in that movie, <laughs> so um, that's him. Like that's the final thing he did. And uh, this is such a fascinating look at his life. So once I've I've had fun watching the documentary, I will watch the film that um, that it's based of on, which is the uh, other side of the wind, which was his final kind of film project. He was pushing it took years and years. He worked on it before he died. From I would say probably. Like 15 years or something wow. like that? From the early 70s until he died in like 1985. Cool. So anyway, good good doc. Have you seen the documentary? No, no, okay, but watch I, it. I will. I, of course I will. I'm a huge Orson Welles fan. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I, I have suffered through 25 years of telling people to watch Citizen Kane who then tell me, eh, it's not that good. So <laughs> 25 years of punishment and I'm all in on this documentary. All right. Well, yeah, you'll like it. Uh, what I wanted to say is what I always say, which is documentaries, I always make the argument that they're the best the best documentary is the best film of the year, usually. A lot of, in a lot of ways, yes. Like you're, I agree. And this year, there was millions to choose from, including, and I have to give shout-outs to, um, the, um, HBO did a documentary. Judd Apatow did one on Gary Shanley. Yes, I did see that one. That was yes. amazing. They, uh, HBO did one on Elvis, which was unbelievable. Um, there was one called The Fourth Estate, which took us behind the scenes at the New York Times, which is a, a great documentary. Um, HBO also did one on Robin Williams. A Netflix did Making a Murderer 2 and The Staircase, both of which are unbelievable. Could be at the top of the best documentary of the year, although we're kind of mixing up TV Those are and series, film here. yeah, but I, I, I get it. But my top documentary pick is one that I'm giving a special shout-out to because every time – this is on TV now – um, regularly on whatever the companion is to HBO. What's that called again? Crave. Uh, Crave and the other and what's the oh channel? movie movie central or movie, whatever yeah whatever well, it, that it's is all but by the way it's all been rebranded as Crave okay. every all of the whole thing is a Crave package which I'm not a fan of by no the way. it's a dumb name it's it's, it's dumb yeah. and it's a, the thing they've done with it is dumb um, but anyway that's what you're talking about you might as well call it gravy <laughs> so so anyway and not to be confused with the frozen dinner Crave which is a thing yeah. and also the the pet food called Crave yeah, so there's a lot too. of Craves out there yeah they they should they could have just called it Meow Mix. <laughs> So, <laughs> hey, have you listened? Have you seen the show on Meow Mix? That's, what? What's well, this? Yeah. Are you talking about the cat food? No, <laughs> I'm talking about the TV platform. 
Um, so my favorite documentary of the year year is showing right now. I watch it every time it's on, and it, it every time I learn something new when I watch it. There's a new documentary on the band XTC. I've seen this. Called, I've not seen it, but I've seen it in the listings. Yes, and it's okay. called This Is Pop. And to me, XTC is maybe the great forgotten band. Started in the 80s, went all the way into the 2000s, and consistently, and they make the case in the documentary, every album got better. There is no band that can say, and, and even the, their lead singer, Andy Partridge, says, like, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that it's very hard for any band to say that every album, they kept the consistency up and every album got better, but we did. You watch that documentary and you just see, like, just the the struggle and turmoil of the band and also the fact that um, XTC opened for the police in Winnipeg, and famously, uh, Andy Partridge, their lead singer, did not sing because he has terrible stage fright, which was brought on by his girlfriend, flushing then girlfriend, flushing his meds that he needed to take for his anxiety down the toilet. And after that, he lost all desire to perform live. So to this day, you can follow him on Twitter at XTC Fans. <laughs> it's his Twitter account. Okay. But uh, the documentary goes into all of that legendary stuff, and it's just a really great, like a band that people should know. But I don't. But sadly, I don't think a lot of people know them outside they, of England because the, they don't perform live. Right. Beca- oh, wow. Right. So they've been off the radar, people's radar for a long time. But wow. one of the great bands, and really, I, as I say, it's it's a quick documentary. I think it's just an hour and a half. Yet in that documentary, and they they, they sort of do this lovely thing where they show train sets. Uh, uh, during, throughout the documentary, and they show little figures representing band members. Oh, okay. and it's sort of, it's kind of a nice little way that they tell the story. But uh, I think that's my favorite documentary of the year. Did you see the um, the Mister Rogers one? I have not seen no, it. No, I haven't seen that. But yet you know either. what? I'm not. I, I heard somebody the other day say, I think it's on the Andy Kindler podcast. They said um, they they don't like the documentary as much because they were never as big a fan of Mister Rogers. And I think I'm the same <laughs> way. I, I just. My family wasn't so terrible that I needed to turn to Mr. Rogers to I'm, make me you feel know, good. Course, in Canada, we had Mr. Dressup, of yeah, course. Mr. Dressup was the man. Yeah, he was. And and honestly, honestly, I was more of a Sesame Street kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember watching Mr. Rogers, but I think it's an interesting story, and I'm really right. interested to see uh, that story. And um, and what else? There was also, oh yeah, of course, we have the Tom Hanks uh, film biopic coming up. Uh, in which he looks exa- like I mean I can't think of a better person to play. Just hand him the Oscar Rogers. now. Exactly, exactly. Give him the bloody Oscar now. We can we can cut to the chase. We can say we can save five minutes on the uh, 2020 Oscars. And then the other one, other one I want to see is uh, uh, Fahrenheit 11.9, which I've not seen yet. Oh and yeah, that's I think it's got to be out in demand pretty soon. Yeah, so. I, I saw it and I recommend it heartily. It's yeah. it's excellent. It makes you feel. It finds a way to make you feel positive uh, in light of the the books we just mentioned. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Basically. Five, five, three, two, one. Yeah, that was a big hit. Okay, let's move on to podcasts, and let's start with oh. you. We're talking um, new ones, right? Yes, new ones that you discovered. Now, it doesn't right. have to be new podcasts, but it's podcasts you discovered this year that you didn't listen to before this year. Yeah. That's what we're looking for here. So Serial, we could talk about Serial being like the third season. Right, right. I mean, it was good. It was better than season two, but not as good as season one. You can sum it up that way. It's not, you know, it was fine, but it's it didn't like, I don't know. It was not as, you know, engaging as that first one. I don't know that they can ever re- replicate that first season of Serial. No, I don't think so. Yeah. And it's it still gets awards all the time, but I think it's on the basis of its legacy yeah. as opposed to um, what they're doing now. The, yeah, the, the more recent stuff just doesn't resonate with me yeah. as much. But I like the idea great. behind it this yeah. year, the idea of going, like talking about a bunch of different court cases in the same building. 
makes sense and it was really interesting. Um, but yeah, it was not as engaged. The in payoff this. was not what yep. I would what I would want for a show like that that with that pedigree. Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah, tell me what's your favorite podcast? Well, I have two. I have two new ones I started listening to. I enjoy them both. One is Akimbo. That is Seth Godin's podcast. Sorry, I'm, I think I might be pronouncing his name the French way that we do in Canada. How do we, how, what's the other way Seth to pronounce Godin. it? Seth Godin. It's not Godin? I think Godin is the way Americans, and maybe probably he pronounces it. But his show is basically about, like, if you can sum it up, it's the psychology of advertising and other things. Sorry. Do I hear some podcast? Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to press play on that stupid thing. No, no. Okay. So Akimbo <laughs> is my first one. And I also want to give a, a shout out to comedian Andy Kindler. Ah. Started a podcast this year called Test Show. Might have been going before this year, but I think this year it started to pick up steam. Him and, oh, I can't think of the comedian he co-hosts with. But in any case, um, they talk about Andy dealing with his anxiety. And he's a stand-up comic. And also dealing with, um, he does the annual Just for Last Festival. And kind of leading up to the festival, his anxiety about, like, the expectations are very high for him to deliver every year. Because he does the State of the Union at the festival. Right. Where he's not only, he's expected to deliver, basically, a speech on the state of comedy. But that be funny, is, too. Right. And roast people. That's what he does. And he's famous for telling jokes that only other comedians like. So it's like a very high-wire act that he performs. And so it was really enjoyable to hear him go through the process about writing writing the jokes for that. And then one of the podcasts was the actual performance. And then it was him like sort of dissecting it afterwards and, about, and sort of about his psychological state when he does it. So a uh, test show, it's called. I like it. I like the fact um, they haven't been inundated with ads yet. You know how most comedians just have endless advertising? Yes, yes. On their, well, not this one. They actually start in mid-conversation, so it's good. There's no long lead-in. There's no, like, endless Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> there, It's just, like, a nice discussion at a certain uh, – and they give each other homework now where, they're, where there's things that they haven't done that they should do, like watch the movie Nashville. Oh, like okay. that kind of thing yeah, yeah. where it's like, yeah, I should really do that. Like all of those things that we say we should do. Like when you said I should watch fail safe and I finally did. <laughs> okay. So, and it was great. And well, yes, we should start doing that. We should give yes. each other homework. Yes. Is that a good idea? That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so I'm going to, uh, those are the two shows that for me this year were new. Um, the Washington Post is now trying to do what the Daily does. Yes. But it's still in the creaky early stages, which reminded me of the early stages of the Daily. Which yeah, is the and they're doing Times. it. They're doing it in the afternoon, so it's not going right. to compete with the Daily. It's going to be like you listen to the Daily on the way into work, and you listen to the Washington Post one on the way home. Kind right. Of thing. I think that's what they're trying to do. So. So that's my watch. That one. Watch for that one getting better. In yeah, the near it future. will. It yeah. will. Go ahead. Uh, this year, I, okay. Well, this is not a new podcast, but this I just started listening to it this year, and it's called "How Did This Get Made." Made, uh, which I didn't like at first. I listened to the first couple of episodes, and I really, uh, the to me, the title is misleading. Um, the the film, I mean, it's actually it's really g- getting popular, more and more popular. It's it's a couple of comedians. It's um, Jason Manzukas, uh, Paul Shear, and then I can't remember. They usually have a third person on there as well, and they basically talk about bad movies. One of our students is doing a podcast inspired by this called uh, Super Bomb, which is about bad superhero movies. But how did they get this get made? Is a is a um, podcast about bad. They watch bad movies and they make fun of it the whole time, and it is quite funny. My issue early on was that I thought it was going to be a podcast about how did these bad movies get made, like a real podcast looking at. I love the mm-hmm. stories of failed movie productions or or film productions 
we want to understand how how do bad movies get made in the first place, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody goes in with the intention of making a bad film, but nevertheless, we have so many bad movies. So that's kind of what I was hoping for. Anyway, I came back to it, and I kind of cherry-picked certain movies along the way. And so I picked out, um, uh, they did one with uh, Johnny Mnemonic, which yeah. was quite funny, and I remember that film, and I remember watching it in the theater and how bad it was, and so that was quite enjoyable. They did one, I was just listening to one uh, featuring Jason X, which is my favorite uh, Friday the 13th film. Um, it's not a good movie, but I enjoyed it for certain reasons. And uh, and so, yeah, it's actually quite fun to listen to, but I just, you have to kind of pick and choose. It is um, inundated with advertising. There's a shitload mm-hmm. of advertising in it. Um, it is a lot of, of comedians talking over each other, which is starting to get more and more annoying to me. Yeah. There's more and more podcasts popping up, which is just three or four people all talking over each other, and that's really frustrating for me to hear. So that's not a great aspect, but there are like some episodes that are really, really funny, and so I would recommend it for that reason. Um, the other two I have here are both new this year. Uh, it was funny because off of that one, off of How Did This Get Made, I discovered that Conan O'Brien has a podcast now called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, it's just started last month, and it's, uh, it's the premise of it. It's a basically kind of a comedic premise is that in that he doesn't have a lot of friends, <laughs> uh, a lot of real friends. Like he has a lot of professional friends. He says that you know when he has a Christmas party or something that everyone who shows up are people who work for him. It's not people who would he would consider friends. So this the idea behind this podcast is that he brings on people that he's connected with over the years that have come on his his TV show. He's had a really good relationship with and, and that kind of stuff. For example, one of the first guests, the first guest was Will Ferrell. Oh, I was going to guess Mark Marin. Marin has not been on yet. Um, well, he will be, of course. I'm sure. The, the Will Ferrell was the first one. It was really good. They talked about going back to like Conan's early days at NBC when Will mm-hmm. Ferrell was on SNL. And some great stories there. Uh, then the la- next two, the, he did, um, um, what's her name from The Good Place? Kristen... Oh, yeah. Kristen. Uh, Bell? No. Is she Bell? Kristen Bell. Oh, oh yeah. Kristen Bell. That's it, right? Okay. Kristen okay. Bell. <laughs> I get all my Kristen's mixed up. There's a lot of Kristen's yes. out there. Kristen Bell uh, was on, and so they had a nice conversation. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a bit more of an interview, interviewee style one, but it is much more conversational. And the advertising isn't too annoying. Conan manages to make it pretty funny. So there's that as well. And then the last one was Dax Shepard, who's Kristen oh, Bell's yeah. husband, and who has, also has a very popular podcast as well. And then Conan was on Dax Shepard's podcast, so they're doing all this crossover, but Overall, I'm quite enjoying uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. It's funny. It offers us kind of a glimpse inside Conan's head. He's not always presenting the goofy persona that he has in real life. Um, he does talk a little, a lot about his own anxiety and his own issues with uh, with performing and, and that kind of thing. Um, and it's funny because he's actually opened up. He had, there's a telephone line that you can call and ask a question. They'll answer questions at the end of the show. Mm. So I'm actually going to call and ask him a question. I think we'll see, we'll see if he, go, he goes for it. Um, but yeah, this also kind of coincides with, um, they're releasing all of the episodes of his show next month, I think on a website. So you can watch any episode of Conan from the last 25 years, um, on, so you can go back and watch the ones that you were working, you were on when you were there. Oh my. Uh, (laughs) And, um, and then, uh, also they're changing the format of his show on TBS, uh, to be yeah. more, I guess, uh, uh, streamlined. To be know. more shorter. It's, it's going to be half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> more it's be half or an hour. shorter. So anyway, yeah. uh, so Conan O'Brien needs a friend. And then the last one I'll recommend uh, that I really enjoyed was called um, uh, Film Dive. Film Dive? Shoot, I just had it. Screen Dive. Screen Dive, which is a film-based podcast. Now it's by 20, 20th Century Screen Fox. Screen Dive? Screen Dive. Yeah. And it's by 20th Century Fox. So therefore, it does feature films produced on, on the 20th Century Fox a lot. However, there was a lot of good movies, and the last couple episodes, the only one I have not listened to 
is the one about the Devil Wears Prada because I really don't care about that movie. But they no. did the original Planet of the Apes. They did um, uh, Young Frankenstein. They did Super Troopers. So there have been a lot of good movies. And basically the whole episode is just a focus on that film. They talk to the filmmakers. They get a lot of, like for, for Young Frankenstein, they spoke to Mel Brooks and talked to him about that. And it's really just kind of a nice little deep dive into uh, into whatever film they pick. Awesome. So, I mean, there's a ton. I mean, I don't know. They could do a Star Wars one that was produced by 20th Century Fox, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure they could do that at some point. Oh, or... that's amazing. Anyway, that's a good one as well. So good. that's my podcast. I just subscribed. What I love about the audio space, is that the right term? Yes. Is that it's refreshing and there's a certain, there's a level of honesty or at least perceived honesty when you're listening to th- these things. So. Yeah, that's what uh, like a Mark Marin or people like that. Yeah, I think that's his is so good. You know, what'd you do that for? <laughs> what'd you do that for? Finally, we're going to finish up with some music recommendations and you are the music file well, here. I, yeah. So I'll turn this over to you. Well, look, I, I sort of grouped this into I, I don't have lots on my short list, but I sort of grouped it into uh, into legacy and non legacy acts and things like that. But what, uh, so I wanted to start by saying Elvis Costello and Richard Thompson. Elvis Costello's album is called Look Now, and Richard Thompson's is called 13 Rivers. Those are two long serving legacy solo artists who released some of their finest work this year. Wow. I, I had no expectations for the Elvis Costello. I've been a lifelong fan of Elvis Costello. I had zero expectations for this album because I heard some of the songs were ones he'd written with Burt Bacharach back in the day. And I was like, that was fine, a fine album back in the day, that that particular album, Painted for Memory, I think it's called. Um, but I was like, I don't really need to hear more of that kind of music. But to my surprise, the Elvis Costello album is like a mashup of his best albums over the years. It's really good. It's shockingly good. And um, on each listen, it gets deeper and better. And Richard Thompson is like one of those guys, too. I bought the album at McNally Robinson, and the guy says to me, uh, to me, Richard Thompson sounds like a pirate. The guy says, and I was like, screw you, because this is a great album. I don't care if he sounds like a pirate. It's a freaking. Like the name great... sounds like a pirate's no, name? No, he says he can't listen to him as an artist. Oh, he sounds I see, like... I see. Arr, like that kind and of... yeah, well, he has a little, like he's a folk artist. So, yeah, there's going to be some of that stuff. But so, so I didn't care for that. But then I was, um, in terms of new acts, um, Anna Calvi is somebody who records music. Uh, she, she, she's something like St. Vincent, but her album, Anna Calvi's album is called Hunter and it is just unbelievably great. And, she, and her stuff has a swagger to it. She is exploring gender issues, which I know the millennials love. They love exploring <laughs> gender issues and nothing else. But this particular album is just, it just swings. It sounds like Prince almost. Um, but uh, so, so I recommend that. And another new act, um, and all girl band is called Heinz, H I N D S. Their album's called I Don't Run, and it is just a delight. Um, and we'll get, we'll talk more about them in a second. Yeah, I'm gonna play some of it too. So, um, yeah, and that's my favorite song of the year is is um is Heinz uh, is the song from the H I N D S Heinz as opposed to Heinz mustard and ketchup. <laughs> um, and uh, see, they're and they're from Europe, aren't they? They are from Spain. Yeah, so that's why they don't have Heinz ketchup, which is why they, that that name is okay over there. I'm sure. I'm sure nobody. There's no brand confusion like there is here. Every time <laughs> I say it. their song is called "New for You," which we'll play in a second. And to me, what I love about them, and you tell me if you don't hear it, it sounds like bratty babies singing. Think of a bratty baby. What a bratty baby sounds like. And what if a bratty <laughs> I don't, baby? All my children. All my children were angels. I don't know what you're talking about. You'll you'll hear it in this. <laughs> and I also want, in terms of fun albums. 
Um, I know one of your favorite artists from the uh, from the 2000s is Andrew WK. Oh yeah, for sure. He released an album called "You're Not Alone." It is fabulous. It is just pure fun, all the way, including some spoken dialogue tracks where he uh, he sells you on his is it is he being ironic? So hard to tell, <laughs> but where he where he um, has some advice for the listener. So I just think that is a great under the radar album. And one, just like Andrew WK's best songs, you play it once and you're like, I love this. It, yeah. doesn't, it takes you zero minutes to love that music. Um, and out of left field, the English beat from the 80s. In England, they're just called The Beat. Um, but here they're called The English Beat because there's a, an American band called The Beat that had some hits. But The English Beat released an album called Here We Go Love. And once again, this is was on nobody's radar. My friend told me, he's like, yeah, the English Beat have a great album. I was like, bullshit, they do. He's like, no, it's great. You got to hear it. You got to buy this thing. So I bought it, and I'll be damned. It's like maybe their best album since their first one. So the English Beat, here we go, love. It's upbeat, ska, reggae, pure fun from beginning to end. couple slow songs on there, but it is fun all the way through. And it's on nobody's best of list. It's on nobody's radar but holy, what a great album that is! Of all of those, I don't know which. Th- I don't know yet what the best one is, but there, there's a case for every one of those. Well, I will say that you are uh, somewhat of a trendsetter. Um, the, these, remember the one we picked last year? What was your best song of last year? Uh, I can't remember what it was called. I'd have to look back. Yeah, but it was uh, anyway. Whatever the song was, we played it again last year. We played it on the podcast, and then when we were out recording, remember we were out recording oh, at yeah. uh, the roundtable, or sorry, at uh, at uh, what's it called now? Um, uh, yeah. Brazen uh, Hall. Brazen, yeah. So, but we heard that song. It was like, yeah. like that song was now getting radio airplay because, it well, because you recommended it, but because yeah. you were kind of, you had, you're plugged into this. And so you're picking these artists that are, well, and here's the oh, other, the riffraff. What's the one about the riffraff? That's the Hooray song. for the riffraff. That's oh a, that's yeah. That took off. Yeah, that, that did. did. But, but yeah. nobody had heard of it before no. you, and then you recommended it on this podcast and then it takes off. Uh, Coincidence? I don't think you so. You just reminded me there's something else I needed to say. And that is, there's still a big pile of albums I need to listen to among them. Janelle Monet. Who everybody says released the best what like in on the top of many best of lists. So I gotta give that a listen. And I picked up uh the 1975's new album. Oh, they're awesome. And I really quite enjoy them. They've got a song, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but they there's it's a counting song. <laughs> okay. One time, two time, three times, four times, back to three, two, one time. And it's impossible to listen to that song without it haunting your dreams for like three weeks, sort of thing. So it's uh, it's already super catchy. But I haven't had time to play these albums as much as I would like. So that's job one for the next few weeks. So this could change, right. but for now, that's Well, that's you can what update I like. us at a future episode if I, you want. I definitely will. And by the way, we did not mention uh, video game. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and mention video game. Well, do you have one? I, I have nothing. Past year? It was the year of Fortnite. It was the year of Fortnite. Um, yeah. My kids are already sick of it. I, I enjoyed playing Fortnite for a few times that I played it, but got my ass kicked on a regular basis, kind of gave up on it. But my kids are already done with it, although it continues to be super popular. Um, other games that I played this year include uh, Hello Neighbor. Um, I don't know. I didn't play a ton of video games this year, to be honest. It was not a good year for that for me. What about you? Uh, well, I'm going to name one that actually came out before 2018, yeah, sure. but it's my favorite game that I played this year, um, and that is Play Dead's Inside. Okay. Play Dead is the, manu- is the name of the, of the company that produced it. Inside, it's a puzzle game. Um, you can find it packaged with, uh, other, with another game from Play Dead, which is also good. I just can't think of the name of it right now. 
Um, and you can buy both games for like 20 bucks. Cool. So it's like next to nothing. It's a Kenton Larson and special. Inside is the, and I tweeted it and I tagged them in and I was like, inside is as close to art that you get in a video game. It's beautiful. It's not, does not take long to play, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And just like the best movies, it leaves you going, huh? <laughs> like there's a, there's some classic, what the hell did I just play? So inside is my favorite, but it didn't. I think it came out in yeah. 2017. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, okay, cool. Well, there you have it. Those are our picks, our best of 2018. 2019 is ahead of us. Lots of great media coming out, I'm sure, and we'll be on top of all of it, as we always are here on the Media Nerds Podcast. We're going to leave you here with Heinz. This is new for you. Uh, this is the uh, song Kevin's recommended. Sounds like Bratty Babies. Bratty Get ready. Babies. Get ready for the Bratty Babies. And by the way, don't let the door hit you on the ass in 2019.
Aquí está.